I want to be strong, to have the flexibility and confidence to play soccer with my kids or volleyball on the beach. I want to feel energetic and spontaneous with my husband. I want my body to feel the freedom to move and enjoy life, to hike Yosemite, surf in Hawaii, bike to the beach, to have fun with friends and not be limited. I want to do things that love my body, to feel and experience all the sensations of life. I want my body to be a force in nature that overcomes difficulty and resistance. I believe in health and wellness and daily consistent exercise. Dr. Claire Frank has been a physical therapist for 35 years. She is the founder of Movement Links Incorporated, a company born out of a desire to enhance clinicians' understanding of the movement system. Dr. Claire is a lifelong learner, mentor, teacher, implementer, and advocate for the movement system. I met Claire in 1998 when I was a student physical therapist at Kaiser. She went out of her way to talk with me. She introduced me to a new way of looking at clinical diagnosis of the shoulder. Since then, I have attended her workshops, year-long movement seminars, and continuing education. I am thrilled to be with Claire today as she has had a huge influence on my clinical practice. Today, we will be talking about how to move better with age. Welcome, Claire. Oh, thank you very much, Beth. It is great to have you here. Thanks for having me here. Yes, I am really looking forward to this conversation and I'm looking forward to learning from you as I always do. Uh, Let's start with, tell me about your journey to become a physical therapist. Well, um, I actually grew up in Malaysia. I came to this country, to the US in 1981, I believe. Went to school, got my physical therapy degree um, but what influenced me to going to PT school was actually being injured myself. I used to play badminton, I got injured, but never really went through rehab. So coming to the US, rehab was really new to me. And when I was injured, I had an ankle sprain, it was pretty bad. Uh, I had to go through rehab and I saw what rehab was. I was kind of a little bit shocked because in the past, growing up in Malaysia, Rehab was not implemented in sports medicine at that time. Um, So that was what kind of got me curious on wanting to pursue physical therapy to actually um, get rehabilitation. But as I was going through rehabilitation, I saw in the clinic folks who had strokes, who were being rehabbed, because at that time when you're a young person, you only saw sports injuries, but as a being exposed at such a, at what, 18, 19, seeing stroke rehab, spinal cord rehab, that kind of spurred me, this is what I really wanna do. I wanna really help people get back to function. Hmm. <laughs> How did that spark your learning? Uh, made me wanna learn more. Uh, that's how got me into physical therapy school and then just the whole idea about the move movement because that's how we were designed. We were designed to move when I, uh, when like if you and I, we were sick, we weren't in bed, we can't move, we get kind of frustrated, we, 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 are, we ache, but somehow movement is actually the way to get out of it. So all of us have felt incapacitated in some way, especially when we are sick 
But then when you put yourself in the shoe of someone being actually out of commission, whether they've suffered an injury or, 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 or a heart attack, things slow down. And then they can't move, they get frustrated. It not just affects your movement, it affects your whole well-being. From that standpoint, I feel movement um, is actually a way to get people not just physically functioning better, but mentally, emotionally also better. I'm not sure if I answered your question. I kind of went off tangent there. <laughs> no, that's great. Who has influenced your study of movement over the All years? All right, so that actually is a good one. Uh, my study of movement actually started when I was playing badminton at a young age. My coaches, um, I would credit them for actually uh, getting me to look because of the, when you're playing high-level badminton, precision is everything. And when how the coach movement was so precise, but very, very um, connected to what I had to do on the court. So I would credit them first as my, my, my first influences. And then when I was in PT school, of course my teachers and professors. And then I would say professionally, one year out of school, I heard Dr. Shirley Sarman speak at a huge conference, and she was basically took me to a different level. And I was very, very blessed to have met Dr. Yanda, who was another big influencer. And from him, basically introduced me to the whole functional medicine from Czech Republic. And that's my, my I would say currently my big influences are Dr. Shirley Sarman, Dr. Vladimir Yanda, Dr. Levitt, Dr. Kohler, and I want to credit Dr. Joe Gadges because he was the one who actually um, brought me and kind of persuaded me to be part of the Kaiser Residency Fellowship Program years ago. Mm -hmm. What I really admire about you is that you are a lifelong learner and you have learned and you have put yourself under people but what I do admire about you also is that you don't just take that knowledge for yourself, that you have worked really hard to get this knowledge out to the world oh, and to make clinicians better. And I just want to thank you on behalf of physical therapists for oh. all of your work to make, to really put these pieces together of all your knowledge. So what I would like to ask is, in your years of study and everything you have learned, can you uh, just, my listeners are mostly women. Um, I kind of target between the ages of 40 to 60. Oh, I fit that bill. <laughs> okay, so do I, <laughs> which is why I'm targeting this age. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, what, what kind of tips or what do you recommend for movement? I know that's a big question. Yes, it is a big question, but I would say do what you can, the however little you can do at this very moment, and then you build on it. Uh, we are all, most of us, when we watch TV or be on social media, we see young, healthy people doing all this fancy or, you know, incredible feats, let's say weightlifting or running or marathons, and we want to be there, but we can't. Uh, or let's, let's, I will put it this way, my body 
my brain wants to do it, my brain thinks I can do it, but my body just doesn't have the capacity to do it right now, probably because of sitting for so long, having babies or whatsoever. Start with what you have and then build on it. Um, I would say, if I were to advise anyone, move. Just start moving. Uh, whether uh, every movement that you make throughout the day could become an exercise so it doesn't take time away from your busy schedule to actually do it outside the home. Now, once that becomes a habit, then you can increase that amount of time to make it more scheduled. But in the meantime, every time you get up from a chair, think of it as a form of exercise. Every time you go pick up a laundry basket, that's a, a form of a squat. And as time goes on, that becomes a routine and you can actually incorporate into an actual exercise routine. Uh, that's good. Can we talk a little bit about the brain and what you mentioned, oh. that the brain thinks we can do it, yes. and yet the body, uh, how does that disconnect happen? Okay. So I'm not sure if I'll answer it directly, but let me tell you a little story. Okay. Uh, I, I, I think I told you I used to play uh, international world-class level badminton, so I know what world-class badminton uh, sh um, strokes feel like. My brain still remembers that. So a number of years ago, I actually went back to playing because I wanted a little bit more f activity in my life. So I went and joined the club. There's a there's an indoor court around somewhere in El Monte. So I joined it, and then I, st I told myself, I knew because I wasn't already in my late 40s or early 50s, and I said, I'm going to go start playing. And I told my brain, I knew in my brain that I have to go into this slowly. <laughs> because badminton, if you've seen high-level badminton, it's a constant sprint. It's lunges. It's leaping and jumping and landing. So I told myself, I'm going to go to it slowly because I haven't done this in a long time. My muscles, my bones need time to actually build, build up to increase its capacity. Well, I did it for a while, no problem, because I was very, very controlled. And then, uh, during the game, we used to play doubles. Something took over. My brain saw that shot. I knew what I could do and wanted to do. I did it but my body did not follow. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is where I would say the brain knows, has those connections, but the body's capacity was not able to match that ability, and that's when injury can occur. And I actually hurt myself. And so when I say the brain-body connection is not there, Sometimes I would say the brain knows what it wants to do, but the body can function to that full capacity because maybe we have become sedentary over time because of uh, previous pains or, or, or dysfunctions or injuries or our life just got busy. We sit in the office all day. We're at the computer sitting all day long, we don't even put in thousand steps a day. So how does that match up? So as I would say, uh, you can't you can't 
you can't just go back to you can't do the stuff that you th- thought you could do when you were 20 when you're 40 or 50 right now things change uh, I think we I hope we all know that as we get we age muscles bones joints things don't work as well. <laughs> I think, Beth, I think you understand that. Yes. Huh? Yes. Uh, so sometimes um, when, uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you another story. I think I can't remember how old I was uh, sitting in this, this was probably my mid-40s or early 50s. I was sitting in this, having dinner with a friend. And then as I got up, I'm like, oh my gosh, I actually feel stiff. I was like, what is going on? And that basically was a wake-up call for me that I really need to get my joints moving again. So as far as the brain-body connection, I feel sometimes we need to wake up those connections. Mm -hmm. We need to build the joints, the muscles, and build it up to a, a, a capacity where it can handle the new load. The neural connections from the brain to the muscles or joints are still there, but maybe they got kind of clogged up. So we need to kind of clear the cobwebs. (laughs) This is all speaking from experience, going through my own aging process, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So as a result of that, uh, I'm trying to keep active myself. Yeah, what do you do for activity? Oh no, I have two dogs, so it's been great. I had um, one, I have a 13 year old dog, which I walk. And then we just adopted a young puppy. So you know how puppies need all Mm -hmm. these exercises. So I'm actually walking more than ever, which is great. And then going to the dog park, watching him run. But then I'm also, uh, the the benefit of being, going to the dog park, I'm making new friends. So it's kind of cool. Oh, that's nice. Then, of course, I know that walking is not just not enough. I do a lot of my own body weight exercises at home. Great. I try. Yeah, good. (laughs) So you mentioned in that story when you went to go play badminton again and your brain (laughs) remembered and you felt like you had the brain connection. You mentioned an injury, and I do feel like that is a worry for a lot of women. Yes. Of, you know, they want to go and they want to do something, uh, but many times may not go and do it because they're yeah. afraid of injury. That's right. Could we talk a little bit about that? Yeah. It's so funny you said I just saw a client that she's in her 50s. She's just recently retired. She's an avid ballet dancer. Uh, oh, she was. She wanted to go back to ballet because um, she just liked the feeling of But she also she's n- she knows that she's lost the flexibility and she's afraid of hurting her knee. That was the biggest thing. Um, so, and then as we are going through this motion, she kept c- worrying about her knee to the point where she had stopped her from moving. So we actually had to kind of build her capacity up, meaning I had to kind of let her know that her, when we were checking her range of motion, that her range was actually really good. That she had full range of motion we also showed her that her strength wasn't adequate. It wasn't bad. It was just wasn't adequate. And so we had a kind not of con- adequate for the demands, for the demands of, of ballet. The ballet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because she wanted to do 
her her uh, plies and jumps, which require quite a bit of of like a mini squat with a nice turnout. She had great turnout. In fact, she had a lot of mobility. What she lacked was more, I would say, stability. So we actually had to kind of build it up, let her know that, hey, she can handle those loads. And then she actually recently went back to to ballet. So exciting. However, we gave her some considerations. We told mm-hmm. her, you, you know, we're not allowing you to jump yet. Uh, so she's actually doing a lot of exercises um, on the bar so that she has some support so that she can control the load. Mm-hmm. So this is what I talk about. We always have to match the load and capacity. Capacity means what your body can handle. Load is what uh, external load, meaning the weight or gravity acting on you. Mm-hmm. So we have to match those. I always, c- if you can consider matching the load is, I, I tell folks, actually a patient actually told me this example, which I loved. He said, oh, it's like a bank account. If I have a huge bank account, I can withdraw without any penalty. And so this is how I see capacity, is building that bank account with lots and lots of money that when you actually, you can actually withdraw, which means uh, exercise without penalty. I hope that makes sense. Yes, that's a great Money story. actually tells, uh, gives, uh, you know, money talks. Mm-hmm. So money, when you when I explain to folks, hey, let's get this bank account bigger, which means let's build up your capacity, whether it's strength or flexibility or motor control. Motor control is, can you control that movement without going to the breaking point? Mm-hmm. This is what we, what we want to challenge folks. Let's build that capacity. Strength is a big deal mobility which is can you control the range that you have because people have flexibility but they may not be able to control it and that could be an issue so with this lady this ballet dancer she had the mobility but she wasn't able to control that mobility and so that's where the strength and stability comes into play can we talk a little bit about how resilient the body is also oh yeah because i think a lot of times what i find even myself (laughs) is I think, you know, that thing of I don't want to injure myself so I may not do that activity, but that activity might be the very thing I need to do. Oh, yeah. And I just <laughs> trained for a marathon. I ran Good my you. first marathon. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, trained for it for four months. Yeah. Never missed a training day because I was building that bank account. That's right. I absolutely did not want to injure myself mm-hmm. at this marathon. I was really worried about injuring, yeah. uh, but I chose to believe I could do it. And I realized the body is so much more resilient yeah. and strong when you can do that kind of training. Yes. Um, but just the capacity of the body, what have you seen? I know you've trained different uh, world-class teams. I know you went to the Olympics and trained some teams. Didn't go to the Olympics, just trained with Olympic athletes. Okay, <laughs> trained with Olympic athletes. But tell me a little bit about what you have seen in these world-class athletes and just the strength of the body. Well, you know, you using your example, you built a capacity you built your bank account, but you actually built it so much that even after the marathon, you still had a huge reserve. And that's why you were able to bounce back so quickly, your resiliency. I think what prevents us from going beyond 
is actually our mental discipline. And I would say that for myself. I was like, I know it's good for me. I know it's good for me. I know exercise is good for me. I know uh, many of us know things are good for us, but we don't do it. (laughs) Partly, I would say, because we don't have the mental discipline, and partly it's laziness, and partly it's because path of least resistance is, oh, I'm too tired. All of us. Look, I battle it all the time. I'm like, do I really have to do this? I just got home from work. I put in 10 hours. I don't want to go and do the walk. I do not want to walk the dogs. But thankfully, my dogs let me know that they need the walk and they're going to let me know. And that's how I pull myself out and go walk. The other thing I feel, the resiliency is, uh, you're absolutely right. Um, We can do much more than we actually are able to and I'm always shocked at myself as well like the other day I tried picking because I do a lot of gardening not a lot but I I do I use gardening as my way of getting my squats in or my lifts or whatever so I saw this rock I'm like uh, let me go try it so I went in there and prepared myself to pick up this big rock and oh I strained I, I mean, I strained. I did not hurt myself. I could feel myself straining, and I'm like, ah, oh, I can't do it. I don't think I can do it. So I gave up. <laughs> 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 because mentally, I'm like, ah, oh, I can't do it. So I gave up. So that was the, I would say, path of least resistance. I didn't even want to try because I was, like you say, I was afraid to hurt my back. A couple days later, I'm like, hmm, let me try that again. <laughs> <laughs> And I did it hmm. because I was like, you know what? Let me let me see if I can do it. And this time I was maybe a little bit more determined. And I was I did it. And I kind of surprised myself. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can actually do it. So that kind of got me a little bit motivated. That little motivation actually kind of motivated me even more mm-hmm. for the next few days. That's great. So it's like, you know, we don't know until we try. That's right. the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, after you hear my message here, don't go out and pull and b- go pick up big rocks that you think you can do, but you're, you haven't built capacity for it. Right. So please do not do this if you haven't prepared yourself for it. Right. Because you were saying you've been squatting. You do a yes. lot of these things yes. regularly. That's so right. So picking up a rock <laughs> wouldn't have been out of context for That's you. That's right. Not out in context. Yeah. And thinking, I just watched actually uh, the Women's World Cup. Oh, nice. And these women are yeah. incredible. Yes. Their speed, their agility, mm-hmm. how they're just flailing and yes. falling and doing crazy stuff. And then they get back up. Yes. So could we talk even <laughs> just a little bit about context of, right. you know, the the goalie had incredible saves. Yes. And she's fallen on her shoulder and her hip and her ankle and it's getting twist and turned. And yet, the context of the game, they get back up. Could we talk a little bit about how and why context of movement is important? You know, you bring a really good point. Now, those ladies train. They go through rigorous training, so their bodies actually are prepared in many ways to be in various positions to be in the in the in the excessive amount of 
movement or beyond a movement and still able to control it. They're used to it. Now, please put ourselves now in context. We haven't done much. We actually sit more than ever before because of technology. So now, if I'm sitting all day long, let's say I'm in my 50s now, if I have a desk job, I used to, let's say, be much more active. I sit all day long, uh, let's say eight hours a day. I'm in a bent position. My, f- my spine is in a flex position or a bent position. My legs are in bent position. I'm hunched over a computer and I'm typing. Let's say I have a desk job. Mm. Now, your muscles there and your joints are going to be limited in those movements. They're going to be good in those movements that you've just put yourself into. Now, now you go to the gym. You have to put yourself in a stretch position, let's say, in a full arm, shoulder overhead position, or a full squat, or a full extension, or full upright position. And you're asking your body to, to, those, to, 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 to put yourself through those loads. Now, that's a different load. So uh, how I always say, you know, if you spend your time doing a certain activity for eight hours, and then you counter it with 15 minutes of another activity, which is, wait, first of all, it's very commendable. But that 15 minutes doesn't counter that eight hours of sitting all day long. So, and then you go out and play soccer, let's say, in the league over the weekend, and expect your body to perform at in that level I don't think I don't think it's possible. Uh, I, I don't see how that will connect. What can happen is is when we're younger, we can do that. Yes. For you can sit in high school, you can be in class all day, and then after you know you go and you play your high level sport, and for the most part, maybe you're okay. Yeah. But then as we age, there is. It's almost like you're literally training your body to be good at computer work, right? Or in I a mean, seated position. In yeah. a seated position. And then when then you expect it to move upright and move like you did before, uh, I think that's a huge disconnect. Or I call it unrealistic. Right. And so uh, I wanted to bring this up because this is something quite interesting. Um, they talk a lot about degeneration, Yeah. Right. You, you know, we always thought people are always concerned about arthritis. Is that your? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what I found actually is really interesting. I thought was really cool is we always think arthritis, it's but wear and tear uh, in the human where body. There's some truth to it. Uh, what is the joint that has the li- has is least susceptible to arthritis? Least susceptible to arthritis. Yeah. Hmm. I won't put you in a spot, but I'm just going to ask the audience. What would be? What would it be? So they I found that it was the elbow. Elbow. I was hmm. going to say, because yeah. I don't know that I've ever. Yes. Isn't that interesting? Treated an arthritic it's elbow. Yeah. Very, very rarely, unless you know, but elbows are usually more connected with sports injuries hyp- or hyperextension injuries. Hmm. We found that with the elbow, you can see that we actually go through the entire range of motion. 
right? We have to eat, right? Have Don't to. we? And to reach. <laughs> yeah. So we go through the entire range. And so they have found that um, that usually the generation occurs when you lose that mobility. So think of all the joints that are most commonly affected in the human body. With arthritis? Yes. The knee? The knee. The hip? The hip and the shoulder. Shoulder. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Of course, the spine, too. Spine. Yeah. And so now if you think of it that way, how often do we go through the entire range of motion in those joints? Huh. Not very often. Not very often. And I think a lot of people have told you don't deep squat. Yeah. You know, some of these... um, uh, thoughts. Yes. <laughs> so you maybe have lost full knee flexion or full hip flexion. Right. Isn't that interesting? That's the correlation? very interesting. Mm-hmm. And so they were making this argument. I've heard this over this uh, professor from Germany talked about. They talk about if we truly believe that overuse is wear and tear, overuse is uh, is causes arthritis. Then how about the a- the monkeys and apes who are swinging all the time they don't show arthritis in their shoulders no so that is like a big like eye opener there mm-hmm. so i don't know if i answered your question here but uh one of the big things when as we get older we do lose some range perhaps because of immobilities being sedentary and being less active one of the big key things that I want to speak to your audience uh, is really we need to get that mobility. We need to try to get moving through the range. And if you're in pain, please get help. See a physical therapist. Get someone to help you move well. Then we can kind of layer it with not just the range, I would say, then layer it upon getting the strength back in those new ranges so that you are a little bit, then you're building your capacity f- to handle the loads that we are asking our bodies to do. Yeah, that's good, yeah. thank you. That's you're welcome. Great. I mean, that's something that I have been working on. As I told you, I was just trying to get up from that, that uh, dinner and my hips were stiff. I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I've been actually working really hard to get my hip range back. It's great. <laughs> and then layer on with the strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's one thing that once I hit my 40s, (laughs) the importance of stretching, the importance Uh, of daily mobility. And I feel when I'm not doing it very consistently, Mm -hmm. I really do feel stiff and tight. And I wake up with my, you know, calf a little tight. And I just know I didn't do my stretching yesterday. Yeah. So... That is a discipline. (laughs) It is a discipline. And some of us do not like stretching. Like, I hate stretching because I don't like that feeling of the stretch. It's like, oh, I've never been able to touch my toes. And that's how I've been built. But it doesn't give me an excuse not to try. (laughs) Yeah. So I do the best I can. Uh, I I grin and bear that that discomfort. Um, I don't enjoy it, but I still do it. Why is it that some people are tighter than others? I oh, know that's, that's a, a good big question, yeah. but there's the Lucy Lucy's and then there's the stiff I Freddy's. think partly <laughs> some of it's genetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say like hypermobile folks, um, 
it's partly genetic. Some people's muscle tension is a little bit tauter, and maybe that's why they are uh, bigger, better sprinters. They're built for power. So think of the sprinters. If you look at a sprinter versus a long-distance runner, look at the their their body type, their muscular makeup. You'll see a big difference. So I would say genetics play a part. But in general, um, when people tell you they're tight, the muscles feel tight, I call it more like a neurological tone. It's just a resting tone of the muscle. That tightness could be actually a way of your brain telling you, hey, you are using it too much for one. Or they feel tight because the brain won't allow you to go beyond what you can handle. Mm. So does that make sense to you? That makes sense. So let's say um, in the past, I couldn't touch my toes, right? Partly because my genetic makeup. I have very, very tight springs. Think of muscles as springs. I've got pretty tight springs, which actually puts me in a I would say advantage for uh, a ballistic jumping. I have long, lean muscles. In that sense, I can kind of do a better spring. However, I can't re- touch my toes. Partly because I don't stretch. So that's my fault, okay? I won't blame it all on genetics. <laughs> but partly, I think, the reason why I wasn't able to touch my toes is because my brain didn't trust me to go to that range and be safe. Now, because I understand it now, I actually will put myself into that limit in a safe zone and stretch, and now I don't feel so threatened. Does that make sense? Yes. And now I actually I can handle that stretch without freaking out. Mm-hmm. And I actually have surprised myself. This is what I would talk about, resiliency. I've surprised myself that I'm actually coming closer to touching my toes because I've trained it beyond what I thought I could handle. Mm -hmm. And now my brain perhaps can trust me to handle that new load. Mm -hmm. It's kind of hard to to describe. Maybe your audience might not understand what I'm saying because I'm not showing you the, the, the movement, but... Um, try it. Yeah. <laughs> but how important it is to trust and to believe yes. that the movement you are doing is good for you, there's no damage being done, right. that it's safe. Yeah. Um, I think pain, yeah. you know, is a perfect habitat for yeah. worry to flourish, as Mike yeah. Stewart says. But, you know, there's just, that's interesting that you say the muscles will begin to tighten or yes. tense because your brain's like, processing, hey, whoa, whoa. what's going on? <laughs> what yeah, you doing like, there? Exactly. Okay. So, yeah. So, and those of you, those, th- if any of your audience are experiencing pain, just think of it as pain or discomfort is just a signal, a warning signal to you. Um, if you can't handle that pain, um, I would say seek someone, seek help to help get that movement therapist to really kind of guide you through it. And you, you'll come out, you, you, you'll be surprised that you'll be able to handle the load with good coaching. Yeah, I think that's right. 
I think the brain has a lot to do with this yeah. and this capacity to mm-hmm. move in context. Yep. I mean, again, just watching those girls dive and, <laughs> yes. you know, do all these kinds of crazy twists on their ankle and mm-hmm. their hips and their shoulders and they bounce right back yeah. up, didn't injure anything. So Yeah, and then th- this maybe, uh, I actually was at a jiu-jitsu and seeing the same things where uh, the, the joints and the joints are taken to a range that unbelievably dangerous so to speak but these these folks these uh, martial artists these jiu-jitsu fighters they're able to handle this because as you keep doing it the brain the body also adapts see stress will uh, our bodies are so good at adapting to new stresses now of course you need to make sure the stress don't overload the capacity Right. So, uh, I'm just amazed. I'm totally amazed with how the body adapts to stress. But just make sure the stresses or the loads that are put upon you are will match what your 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 the. Just make sure the loads match what your body can handle. Your body will adapt. Yeah, and if you're questioning what your body can handle, go see a therapist and yes. talk it through, talk it out. That's and right. And they'll find your limits. That's right. And have them have you train safely, and you'll be surprised. That's right. And set some goals, and so, you'll yep. be amazed what you can accomplish. <laughs> yeah. So as we close this podcast, I'd love to know what three regular practices keep you healthy and well. Okay. I always have this um, saying that I try to live, love, and laugh. Mm. Uh, so live well, laugh often, and love much. Yeah? Did yeah. I say all three? It's great. But as far as what I'm trying to do for myself from a health perspective is I try to eat well, move as much as I can, uh, and sleep. Sleep to me is really important. I'm so thankful I'm able to sleep. I know folks who are not so blessed with that. Um, But if those three things you can incorporate into your lifestyle, sleep is really important for your body to recuperate and to to kind of basically heal itself. And so sleep is really important. Nowadays we are so distracted with um, with all the, the computers. I mean, I'm not gonna preach. Uh, I'm not gonna preach at anyone because I'm guilty. I'm as guilty as, 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 as everyone else. I'm watching, I'm looking at my phone so much um, being uh, affected by blue light Mm-hmm. So, try not to use your phone or be exposed to being on a computer before you go to bed. Uh, try to get as much sleep as you can. Uh, eat well. And as I tell folks to eat well, I'm not talking about fat diets. Mm-hmm. Eat proportionately, Yeah, uh, I would say. <laughs> yeah, uh, and how important that is yes. for our mm-hmm. body, mind. And move. Yeah. Please move. Yeah. Um, make it um, small gains are better than no gains. Mm-hmm. So if you uh, are sitting at the desk all day, if you could set set a little timer on your computer every hour or so, just get up from your chair, 
do a couple stretches and then get back to work. Yeah. If you can do that every hour, that was, that's one way to move. That's so you're not, not stiffening up through the day. Yes, <laughs> that's what we're trying to prevent, right? That's right. <laughs> that stiffness. Well, thank you very much for being on this podcast and just sharing your knowledge. Oh. I thank you for the passion you have to help us as clinicians be better clinicians. And thank you for your lifelong study, how you have been mentored and you mentor therapists. Oh, so thank, thank you so much, Claire. Thank you, Beth, for having me. It's, yep. a, it's an honor. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> Balanced by Beth is a podcast to inspire women to live strong. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personal medical advice. And now a special message for all you physical therapist listeners. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I have Claire here and I want to take a minute for all physical therapists listening to hear from Claire's heart and her passion for us as physical therapists. Claire, what word would you have for us today? I think the word I have for physical therapists listening to this podcast is don't settle. Continue to learn and continue to grow. Don't settle and be complacent. The world is changing really fast as we know. So is the rehab uh, world. So don't get left behind. My message is now that we're um, um, getting into more wellness and, on, and health, be as educated and informed about movement and the movement system so that we can address the person as a whole person rather than just body parts. If we can link the issue that's a shoulder problem to the back to the to the core or to the foot if we can do that linking this is where I think the challenge for us to be to be better diagnosticians when I say diagnosticians I'm not I'm not talking about medical diagnosis I'm talking about movement diagnosis what is the cause or what is the source? So let's say a shoulder problem could be, the pain could be coming from the source, meaning the shoulder, but the, the source, sorry, scratch that. For instance, if the shoulder is causing the problem, scratch that. If you're dealing with a patient with a shoulder problem, perhaps the source of the problem or the pain could be coming from the shoulder but the contributing factors or the causal factors may not actually be at the shoulder itself it may be coming from the shoulder blade or from the from the from the spine or actually maybe coming from decreased loading on the on the lower extremity so as a physical therapist i would challenge us to be better at connecting the dots to come up with not just the source, but the cause so that we can actually help our patients quicker and more efficiently. So don't settle. Don't just treat a local problem as a local problem. Look for the other factors or the contributing factors that may be perpetuating that problem for that particular patient. Thank you for being here with me today. Thank you.